the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today, really, we're going to be finishing a series we've been doing called Peace. We've been looking at peace in the Bible. I feel like so often when we talk about peace, we're not always talking about the same thing that um, necessarily... God is talking about it's like this it's like the word love we use the word love today I mean we use the word love with love island and love island is definitely not the love that God is talking about because it's so much more tangible so much more meaningful than that we use a lot of words and a lot of language and sometimes we have these shared values around how we grow up experiencing those words and not necessarily thinking about the tradition of the word that the Bible is using and how people spoke about it thousands and thousands of years because sometimes when we then read a passage, we get this idea in our head of what it's about when actually it's talking about something different. So this week, as I kind of like bring to a close the whole series, we started the first week off, you can listen to it all online, uh, looking at Abraham and how Abraham had a moment with God where God promised Abraham, you will go to your forefathers in peace. And the Hebrew word shalom means complete, whole, lacking in nothing. It means um, prosperity, it means fullness, it means retribution, it means proper balance, equilibrium. It's all these wonderful, good, good, good things. And Abraham had one lack. He didn't have an heir, he didn't have a son. And God promised Abraham a son and that he would go to his forefathers. But actually we know from the Gospels that we go to our father, the father, in peace and in wholeness because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. The second week, we looked at my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives it. So Jesus gives us a peace that's different to what the world is offering. So his peace isn't just the absence of conflict. So when we talk about peace, we talk about the absence of conflict. He talks about a peace that completes us, which is why on the cross, the last thing he said is, it is finished. He makes us whole, he completes us. And then for the third week of the series, we looked at blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons of God. Now, peacemakers, is, it's like Jesus opens this open source group where they collaborate around making peace within their communities, making people whole, making people completed, that we partake in the same gospel and expression that he has for each and every one of us. And this week, we're going to round the series off talking about peace, but we're actually going to pick up on a few things that we haven't talked about, but we're also going to pick up on something we've already talked about, but I completely skipped out talking about it because I wanted to close on it for this part of the series. So the first thing I want to talk about is in Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Now, baptism was a thing that wasn't a Christian thing. It was a Jewish thing. Baptism isn't a Christian thing. So John was known as John the, the, John the Baptist, but actually he's really called John the Dipper. The Greek word means to dip. So he was dipping people in the water. Now, baptism comes from a Jewish idea, and it comes back from Noah and the floods. So the idea was that God had promised he'd never flood the world again, but we knew there was judgment for our sins. So the Jewish people felt a huge conviction for their sins. So what they did was they didn't wait for judgment. They ran to the waters. And they would run to the waters, which is why John the Baptist is saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, turn around. So people were going to the water, coming out in repentance. They were looking for repentance. They were looking for something different. They were looking not to hide from God's judgment, like Adam and Eve in the bushes. They were running to the waters. 
that they would come out with a new birth, just like a new world, like Aladdin, I guess. A whole new... I'm not going to sing. People might die. So... The spirit, he saw the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now in the story of Noah at the end of the flood, so this is the baptism, they're going into the waters, which is baptism for the Jewish tradition. As he comes out, the dove is settling on him. He sees the spirit settling him on a, like a dove. In the story of Noah at the end of the flood, he sends out the dove and the dove comes back with a branch and then he sends it out and it goes away and it, it goes and there's peace and there's wholeness and there's completeness. Now in this passage here where this baptism happens and the spirit descends on him, the spirit descends on him like a dove. It's almost like it's a pointer. It's a flag that this is this is the pointer. This is the point of reference for salvation. This is where completeness. This is where wholeness happens. This is where rebirth happens. There's no one else getting baptized and the spirit descending like a dove. It's like God is going to do something um, through Jesus that is going to be the key to peace, to wholeness, completeness, not just the absence of conflict. And then we flip back to a couple of weeks ago. We spoke from uh, John 14, and I just want to look at a couple of things. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you. So Israel have known about God dwelling with them. First of in the tent, children of Israel, with Moses, then in the temple, he dwells with you, but he will be in you. He will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. But Jesus goes and dies on the cross. Paul had this notion that he talked about a Jewish tradition called the first fruits. The first fruits was you'd harvest your food. And if the first harvest was good, the rest of the harvest would be good. So they'd give the first harvest to God as a gift, saying, thank you so much, this is so awesome, knowing the rest of their harvest would be good. Paul talked about Jesus saying, well, if he's the first risen from the dead, he's the first fruits. And if the first fruits is holy, the rest will be holy. So Jesus is saying here, it's like that, that, that same idea that because I live, you also will live. That because death isn't final for me, death will not also be final for you. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you whoever has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and make myself real to him Judas not Iscariot said to him Lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world Jesus answered him if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the world's idea of peace at Jesus' time was the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was established to bring peace. They would turn up with soldiers, they would turn up with the mandem, and they would say, like, Caesar is Lord. If you didn't say Caesar is Lord, the mandem moved to you, killed everyone, took over, took your taxes. That's how it worked. So that's what peace looked like. So the Romans brought peace in the civilized world to us all. 
Jesus, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Christians started to say that Jesus is Lord, which we still say in churches today, but forgetting the way that it was birthed. It was birthed with Caesar being seen by the Romans as the living incarnation of God in flesh and deity on earth. And then they had this narrative of Jesus who was embodied in flesh and in deity. They looked at Caesar and he inflicted his wars. He killed people. He took what he wanted to take for them. But Jesus said that he gave his, his life, that his kingdom was different where he would lay his life down for his sheep not lay your life down for his gain he would lay his life down for your gain it completely flipped the script and so christians because of what christ did on the cross for them were willing to stand before the romans and when the romans would say that caesar is lord they would say jesus is lord and they would happily lose their lives believing in this messiah because my peace i leave you my peace i give to you not as the world gives it but i give it and he says let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here's the passage I want to talk to today. Um, it's going to be a really short talk because it's the last Sunday of the month, which is always a time when we dedicate more time to prayer than we do to kind of speaking. Um, and this is how we're going to wrap up the series. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's the Apostle Paul writing this whilst in prison. He's captive by the Romans because Jesus is Lord. He's worshipping the one who opposes Caesar by his very essence and his very nature. And he's imprisoned for that. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's present. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? We're going to close this series. What is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? Well, it's this idea, you see, that when sin enters the world, when you and I do selfishness, when we do the things that we do that causes damage and harm, not just to ourselves, but to the community around us, when we live a life that just pursues our own gain and pushing ourselves up the ladder, forgetting everyone else, we create part of the ripple of the problem of selfishness and sin spreading out into the world. And when he says, he says that the peace of God that's past all understanding is that through Jesus' work on the cross, that he who knew no sin became sin itself, that he paid the price for sin for all mankind, throughout all space, throughout all time. In that moment, he starts a movement not just on his own in partnership because he goes to the Father, but he says, I will send the helper, that the Spirit of God comes within us. And the idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't so you can go around going Hadouken like Benny Hinn, but it's so that you can go out into the world and you can be a part of the restoration of all things, that you can be a part of the redemption of all things. That it's not just about the idea of me feeling something good for me. It's not about me experiencing something just good for me. You experience something good for you and that's great, but it's going to flow out to you. We talked about it earlier on in the series. Jesus said about uh, it being pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. The idea of peace and shalom in the Jewish tradition is that you experience something so good it flows over the side. It doesn't flow over the side for nothing. It flows into everyone around you. It flows out of you. That it's not something you can contain and keep to yourself, but it flows outward. And Jesus said, this not as the world he goes peace i will leave you my peace i give to you not as the world gives it let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid and then what does paul tap into again you hear that same thing he says the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and then the peace of god it's not just the peace of god that's past understanding is just there straight away it's not you come in prayer you bring the situation to him you bring supplication i hand it over to you and then with thanksgiving not necessarily thanksgiving about that but you start getting thankful about some stuff and that's when you're going to experience the peace of god that's 
surpass all understanding. So for me, there have been so many times, and even right now in my life, I've got crazy anxiety about some situations that I'm going through that are really difficult for me to process and I'm finding really hard and tough to work my way through. But what I find is, I find that I come to God in prayer, I talk to God about what's going on in my life and the stuff that's causing me stress, the stuff that's making me fearful, the stuff that's giving me anxiety, the stuff that's waking me up at night. And as I'm talking to him about it, what I start doing is I start giving it over to him in supplication and going, I'm not holding this anymore. This isn't mine. I'm giving this to you. And here's why I'm giving it to you. Here's why I'm giving it to you, God. This is where the thankfulness comes in. I go, God, I remember my parents couldn't have children and a woman at a church just around the corner from here, Elam Pentecostal Church, prophesied and said my dad would have a son. They had three miscarriages, lost three kids. Doctors said they'd never have kids. My parents went forward for prayer there. The church cried out. God heard them, healed my mum. I'm alive today. That's why my dad is 81 and I'm 34 because they went from being married at 25, my mum being 19, all the way to my dad being in his 50s and then he gets to have the kid like Abraham that he wanted his whole life they never got. God, I thank you that my parents couldn't have kids yet I'm here because you heard and they handed it over to you. They suffered for 25 or 20 odd years of their marriage not being able to experience the one thing they wanted but the release came because they didn't stop bringing it to you. They didn't stop leaving it with you. They didn't stop trusting in you. And God, I'm thankful that you did that for me. And then I start going, God, I'm thankful, Lord, that when I was bullied every single day of my life, bullied even at that church, beaten up by a kid who didn't like me. When I was beaten up because I stuck up for a kid at school whose mum was dying of breast cancer and everyone was slapping him up saying you're not going to have my mum anymore and I stood up for him. I was popular until I stood up for him. I got bullied for the next five years. Then because I started to get timid, where I lived, the other kids started seeing that I was now weak because I was so upset about the other things. I got slapped up there. Then my granddad died and my cousins were not taking my grieving seriously because I didn't cry at the wedding and then they all turned on me. And then everywhere I went, I was being bullied and I remember laying in my bed just crying at night going, God, I've heard apparently you love me, I could do with your love. I felt his presence come around me, I felt him love me, I felt him receive me. Then as a teenager, when my girlfriend got sexually assaulted by a gang that didn't like me and my mates, when they stabbed up my mate's younger brother, when they came for me every single day of the week at the same train station, every single day on my way to school, chasing me, harassing me and picking on my friends. I remember trusting in the Lord and I remember being afraid when the National Front came for me and my friends. I remember being afraid, but I remember saying, God, I remember being on my knees in my room as a teenager, crying my eyes out, going, God, I can't deal with this. I can't cope with this. I can't go to my parents. They're old. I can't go to the police. My friends will get hurt. And I remember just bring it to him in supplication. And I remember them surrounding me in an alleyway because I had to go back from my girlfriend's house through their area. And they grabbed me, pulled the crowbar back saying, who do you know, boy? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you telling me you know Jesus? And I did. And no one moved. And I took his hand off me. And I walked home when I'm surrounded with 20 guys around me. And I start thanking God because I start to remember that's what you brought me from. That's where you were with me. And then I remember the time when I started Bible college and the same guys came and they tried to rob me. I gave them everything I had. And when he opened my bag and saw my Bible, he turns to his best friend, pins him against the wall and says, you're going to give him back everything you took from him. And I start to remember, God, you've had me in the beginning. You've had me through this. And then I remember when that breakup happened that I thought was going to be the one. We were going to get married. And then she's moved on. And now I'm standing at Stony train station waiting for the fast train, ready to jump and kill myself because I feel like my life's already gone that I dreamed of. And then he meets me at the train station. And so you see in that moment, what happens is when the anxiety and the fear and the stress comes in, I start talking about my problems to God, but then I give it over to him. But while I give it over to him, I start getting thankful because I start remembering you had me then, you had me then, you had me then, you had me then, you had me then. 
And then if I'm going to be thankful today, I'm going to be thankful because when I was 14 years of age in the playground, a kid with a two higher BMI sat on my knee in football and my knee hit the ground while my other leg was straight and it kind of, I don't know what happened whether it broke or it popped. I couldn't stand up, I couldn't do anything. But when I said to my teacher I need to go to hospital, he said, Andy Gray, stop being such a female genitalia that I can't put on the podcast. And I remember my teacher saying that, and do you know what I did? I got up, I fell over, I got up, I fell over. I hopped the whole way home. I hopped the whole way home. I hopped all the way back from the train station. I hopped into school for two weeks, limping around because I wouldn't give in, I wouldn't back down, and I was gonna do it regardless of anything. And I kept pushing, and I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going. And you wanna know something? I'm thankful today because this week I was at the Hillsong Conference and Bill Johnson said there's someone here and their right knee has been hurting from a sports injury for a number of years. And this guy next to me just makes a beeline because I put my hand up like, cool, I have prayer. I'm up in the rafters. This guy's like, let's do this. And I looked at him, I'm like, oh no, not one of those. And then afterwards he goes to me, dude, my hands were just on fire. And I remember when my knee, I was on crutches and this guy came up to me and said, my hands are on fire, can I pray for you? And he prayed for me and my knee was healed. He goes, let's do this. And he just prays for my knee. And I feel this strange pain happening behind the knee. And then I'm like, this is weird. This is really weird. This doesn't feel like, this feels so strange. And then man, 20 years of waking up with this knee hurting every single day. And yet I can come and I can say to him, look, I can't even do this on my good knee. If I do this on my good knee, my knee starts hurting. And I, I did it. Let me tell you, there are some things that you're fearful of. That was 20 years of walking with pain, 20 years. It's not like it happened and I went, hey God, my knee smashed up, can you help me out? It was 20 years. But there comes a point where you just bring something to him in supplication and you start getting thankful, thankful God for all that you've done for me, thankful for all that you are. And the reason I say that is today, I just want each one of us to know that the idea behind shalom, behind peace, is wholeness, is completeness. And wherever it is in your life that is the thing that is just a, such a big lack for you, that is such a big hurt for you, I want you to know He can make you complete. And whether He makes you complete and whole today, or whether He makes you complete and whole tomorrow, or whether He makes you complete and whole three months down the line, every single one of the situations are listed, every single one of them hurt, and they hurt for a long, long time. But He was there, He met me in each and every single one of them. And the thing is, I know He will meet you in every single situation you are in. I'm gonna end there, I'm gonna pray for us, but then when I finish praying, what I would love, if you don't wanna do this, don't do this. We always say this, it's always open. We don't do like a prayer team. We don't go, these people pray and these people don't. Anyone and everyone who wants to pray can pray. I just want us to pray one for another. If there's a, something that, that's bothering you, maybe you don't even wanna say what it is. You don't have to say what it is. People don't need to know, but you can say, can you pray? There's something that's troubling me. There's something that's giving me anxiety. There's something that's messing me up. And I just wanna bring it to God and I wanna give it supplication. Then what you're gonna do is someone's gonna pray, you're, we're gonna pray for one. And then when they finish praying for you, just say something you're thankful for. And then you pray for the other person. And then they say something they're thankful for. Father God, I'm thankful, Lord that we get to come together, we get to meet together. I'm thankful, Lord, that actually you've met me every step of the way at all different times of my life, times when I, I have not deserved any love, grace, or attention from you, times when I haven't deserved any of the goodness that you've given, but you've never held back. You've never stopped giving. You've never, never, no matter how stupid, how foolish, or how dumb the stuff I've done is, you've still always met with me, and you've always sought to make me complete and whole. And that's why it's blessed are the peacemakers. They're called the children of God because the children of God start being about their dad's business. And they start wanting to make other people complete and whole. I pray today, today would be a time when we pray one for another and we start experiencing completeness and wholeness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Thank you.